Well, good afternoon and thank you for joining me again for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here and it's great to be back with you. We have another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at our ACCC scam watch and some of the interesting things that are happening there at the moment. Also, we'll be talking to Christina about resilience in your business. But right now, we're going to have a chat with... Tony Account, Tony Char- Tony Vidray, Chief Account- uh, Chartered Accountant, and we're going to talk about turnover certificates. Good afternoon, Tony. Hi, Gillian. How are you going? It's a long time since I stumbled over your name. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not the first person to, to stumble over Vidray. <laughs> it, wasn't, right. it wasn't Vidray I stumbled over, but <laughs> that's fine. Nah, that's all right. So what, what are these uh, turnover certificates? Is it sounds like a human relations issue to me, not a tax office. Office yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a HR issue. It, it's actually caught the accounting profession um, by surprise last week, and, it, and it's something that's really thrown the industry into a bit of a tiz. So last Wednesday, um, the government passed JobKeeper 2.0, but unbeknownst mm. to us, what, what they actually did is they, ex- they extended the date, as we know, to next March. Um, we're waiting for guidance to come through for that, but slipped into the legislation um, was these turnover certificates. And the accounting industry kind of read, read the legislation last Wednesday and Thursday, and apparently the, the phone ran, ran hot at the Institute of Chartered Accounts, or CANS as they call now, and the CPAs, from accountants ringing in saying, hang on a minute, what, what are these certificates? Are we going to be covered by our professional indemnity insurance if we sign off on them? So the legislation essentially says that if... Um, certain employers have had a reduction of turnover of greater than 10%. They can get a, a certificate from their accountant um, to confirm that, and then the, the employer can use that certificate to actually either sack employees or stand them down. So it, it's... And, and there's a definition of what they call qualifying employers and then legacy employers. So this this applies to what they call legacy employers who won't receive JobKeeper after the 28th of September this month. So for, mm. for whatever reason, they don't qualify anymore or their turnover's gone back to normal. Um, so they're called legacy employers. So these legacy employers are going to turn to their accountants, their their BAS agents, to get these, these certificates. Now, the part that the industry, the accounting industry's got a bit of a problem with is that it's all based on the definition of um, your GST supplies. Now, for 20 years, the definition has been your GST supplies, but the ATO came out many, many years ago and said, look, when you're preparing your business activity statements, we're happy to go under this concept called cash or accrual. So I'll give you an example. So say I do your your tax work, and I decide, and we, you and I negotiate that um, I'll bill you monthly. So say it's $500 a month to pick a figure, and so over the course of a year, you'll pay me $6,000 plus GST. But let's say that I actually do the work for you in September and October. Technically, under the GST legislation, the GST supply that I'm giving you is in September or October. But when, when I go to do my BAS... I actually will put that in my BAS every single month or every single quarter, depending on the billing um, and depending on the actual receipt. So for me to go back now and to, <laughs> and to have a look at all my billings and then reallocate them out of the months that we 
you know, raise the invoices and then try and put them into the months where the work was actually supplied is almost impossible. And if you think of other companies or other, say, you know, say an engineering company that they may finish a particular job on the 29th of April, but they bill it on the 2nd of May, technically under the GST legislation, your GST supply is, in May. is, at the, is, is April. It's not when you oh. raise the invoice. So, mm. so for accountants and BAS agents to sign off on these certificates to say, yeah, there's a reduction in turnover based on your GST turnover, for years we've been reporting to the ATO. And it's the ATO who've said, look, don't worry about this concept of GST supplies, just do it on cash or accrual, and they're the ones who, who we're reporting to. With this particular piece of legislation now, we're, we're actually going to be reporting directly to the employer who will use this certificate to stand out employees or to sack them, which then becomes a fair work issue. Mm. So there's a lot of accountants who are nervous, and, and for the last week I've been reading a lot of forums online where they're just essentially saying, we're not going to sign it. It's as simple as that. So I'm kind of hoping that that fair work will come out and say to us and the base agents, look, we're happy if you just use the same basis as, you know, you're currently preparing your business activity statements, whether they're cash or accrual, because at the moment, if they want it, honestly, if they want us to do it based on your GST GST. supplies, it's going to be an almost... Um, impossible task for uh, for mm. a lot of businesses. So, it, might, it might mean they get JobKeeper or they don't get JobKeeper too. Well, these are for the ones who don't get JobKeeper. Okay. It's, so yeah. it's 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 for the ones that have um, they call them legacy employers. So so at the end of this month, they've got JobKeeper for for six months. They won't qualify for the next six months. This is a fair work issue to say. Well, for all those employees that that have been receiving JobKeeper payments. If they want to stand them down or they want to cut their hours, they're going to need this certificate. Mm. Now, interestingly, there's a carve-out for employers who have fewer than 15 employees. They can actually just do it under... The, the director can actually sign a statutory declaration um, to say, yep, my turnover's dropped by more than 10%, and they can then use that for fair work to stand down or sack employees. Mm. But if, if, you're, <laughs> if you're a legacy employer... And you've got more than 15 employees, which, which is, you know, your biggest small businesses. It is those sort of, those larger type, you know, businesses that, are, that have got, a, you know, a lot of employees. Your GST supplies are going to be, you know, quite difficult to try and track. It's a, it's a really, it's a very tricky, you know, falling through the cracks type, um, type scenario. So, yeah, yeah, there's quite a few people who are very nervous about um, signing this. So. And this whole change to JobKeeper is going to make a big impact too, isn't it? Well, yeah, look, it will. When, it, when they first announced it, my gut reaction for JobKeeper 2 was that very few people were going to get it because when they first announced it, you had to have a drop in your turnover for the June 2020 quarter compared to June 19 of more than 30%, and you had to have a drop of more than 30% in your September 2020 quarter depend, uh, compared to your September 19 quarter. It was and, both quarters. And a lot of business had gone back to normal in the, in the, in the June quarter. So I thought, mm, that's going to be interesting. Not a lot of um, businesses are actually going to, um, to get this. And then to get the December one, it was another one. It was another and, so it was cumulative. You had to have and, and, and to be able to keep getting JobKeeper 2. Well, when all hell broke loose down in Victoria, um, they made a further am- amendment, which I call JobKeeper 2.1, where they're now saying, just look at your... September 2020 quarter, 
turnover compared to your September 19 quarter. And if it's more than 30%, then you will get JobKeeper for October, November, December. And then you do that again for your December 2020 quarter compared to your December 19 quarter. And if you have a drop of more than 30%, you get JobKeeper for January, February, March of, um, of next mm. year. Mm. So, so it's, it's, look, it's complicated and it's, <laughs> there's, there's a further complication in that they, they brought in another rule, which was if you have some new employees as at the 1st of July and you can retest and you could, you could actually include those in JobKeeper 1 for the months of August and September. So it's, look, it's, it's an area that you need to get specialist advice on because it's, um, so many ifs, buts, but, but yeah, the way that they announced JobKeeper 2 the first time round, it didn't sound like a lot of people were going to get it, but now they've made it um, a little bit more generous, so you're only testing September to September and December to December. And they have, and, and as of today, they still haven't come out with any alternate tests. Um, with the first one, they had a whole string of alternate tests. If you didn't meet the 30% drop, you could. there were about another seven or eight um, tests that you could... Um, you could access. Um, Josh Rodenberg has not announced those um, as yet. So it's yeah, it's actual turnover 2020 versus 2019 at the moment. We'll see how we go in the first, first week in October when I talk it, to you next time. It is very fluid. It changes <laughs> on a daily basis, Julius. <laughs> Have a great month. We'll talk to you next month. I've never done so much reading in my entire life. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Julian. Bye-bye. Tony Vidre there helping us too. Well negotiate challenges. We'll see what happens next month. And you're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM. It's coming up, to, no, it is 24 minutes past one. Time to pop over and have a chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. Welcome back. Thank you for uh, joining us again. And uh, we're going to look at a few positive things, looking at resilience in your business and uh, some good examples of optimism there. Yes, definitely. So, um, you know, some pretty uh, almost frightening figures that came out yesterday from the Reserve Bank um, and the new figures surrounding Australia. And it's really nice to remember a few things. And one of those things is that we are a resilient nation. We are a resilient people. We are actually built for resilience as individuals as well. If we think back to our, our primal days of um, fight or flight, resilience has been a very big factor in that. So I just want to remind people about what resilience is. So our resilience is about adapting to the situations that are. And throughout history, there's lots of examples of that. So what we need to be mindful of is that we can be resilient. We need to uh, assist and uplift each other in that resilience. Um, and there's some support that we've had uh, as well. So Australia is actually faring a lot better than many of our neighbours around the world. Um, surprisingly, not surprisingly, New Zealand is doing exceptionally well. I believe they're in the top three um, of countries that are faring better. There is definitely a correlation between um, economies that are faring reasonably well, all things considered. doesn't mean that everybody's you know, rejoicing and, and having a great economic party. That means that the countries that are exhibiting economic resilience um, and New Zealand's one of the countries that has emerged, uh, I think they're in the top three. Australia is also up there. There is definitely a correlation between um, ec- the economy and how people will, or countries to contain the virus. Mm. The other thing that we need to be very mindful of is that the government support, so JobKeeper, JobSeeker, small business grants, etc., have actually allowed 
businesses the time to be able to pivot, to be able to adapt, to be able to react. And there's some really amazing stories um, from Australia that we've, we went through a couple of them last week. So I might focus on a couple of global ones at the moment in, in thinking that they might help us help boost different thinking. But there was an 84-year-old Italian grandmother who was running small pasta-making classes around Italy in the countryside, clearly had to cancel them because of corona. With the help of her granddaughter, she took her pasta-making classes online and has been absolutely killing it. Um, there's also um, an example of a, of a young girl in India who saw the bed shortage with, you know, their, their um, ICUs and everything are, are totally full, the hospitals are totally full, created a bed out of cardboard, had plastic covers on them for easy sanitation. They cost $13 each, these beds. So quite remarkable things. And I just want to equate that. We did tell the story a couple of weeks ago um, about a a Melbourne family who had pivoted their business into making cardboard desks for Mm. education Mm. um, in in reaction to and adapting to homeschooling. So if we take the time um, and, and, you know, we go back to the 70-20-10 rule, 70% 70% of the time work on your business as usual, 20% of the time what's your next business development. But 10% of the time right now should be how are we adapting, how are we adopting to the situation that is. Gillian, you and I have discussed mm. this. We won't go back to where we were before. So anybody who's expecting things to go back to the new normal you know, or normal or return to what it was needs to really get their head out of that space and into the future space because... We're always in a future space. The businesses that progress are in a future space. So what we've, you know, again, another thing that's been accelerated by COVID is look into where you're going, look into the problems you can solve, use the time, use the support that the government has supplied us, you know, with fantastically Mm. um, to pivot, to adapt, to come up with, with a new product, a new definition, a new example of what it is that you can do to react in these times. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time. We'll have another chat next week. Look forward to it, Gillian. Have a great week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Christina there with, yeah, we be resilient. Look at those uh, challenges. I know the, the needs have changed for people. Look and see how you can service that. And you're listening to 2NURFM, uh, The Business, The Law and You, and it's coming up to 27 minutes to two. Just time for our scam watch from the ACCC. And it's certainly worth mentioning because they've just launched a podcast series. It's a episode of five episodes in the series. And it's got advice on how to avoid scammer sealing your identity. And when you look at the statistics, Scamwatch has received a staggering 24,000 reports of stolen personal information this year alone. Uh, which is an increase of 55% over the same time last year. Australians have reported losing more than $22 million to scammers who also stole their personal information. And the people aged 25 to 34 reported losing personal information more than any other age group. Scammers are targeting personal information more than ever, which has contributed to an increase in financial losses across all scams of up to $91 million so far this year. And of course, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, with more people working and socialising online, has unfortunately seen this sharp increase in scammers seeking personal information. 
So if you suspect you are a victim of identity theft, there's a, 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 a information set up ID Care, ID Care, on thirteen hundred four three two seven uh, two seven three. Uh, it's a free government-funded service which will work with you to develop a specific response plan to your situation. So it's worth looking at the ACCC's reports. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. In, in a moment, Jane Klein will be back with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to talk with uh, Rani Ganda from Turnbull Hill, Hill Lawyers. <coughs> Excuse me about shareholder agreements. We'll have our Minute on Innovation with Christina and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and, as Albert Einstein once said, creativity is intelligence having fun.